Talent Jackie, episode 20. You're listening You're to Talent Talking Podcast. Podcast, a show for job seekers, recruiters, and hiring managers. He's no pinball wizard, but he's got a supple wrist. Here's your host, Sean Kelly. Hey, thanks for joining Talent Jockey. I am your host, Sean Kelly, and this is a podcast where we talk about talent acquisition and providing insight into that industry and world of hiring individuals for your positions. So it's been a while. Um, geez, I think I don't even have the last episode up in front of me. I think it's been I maybe even months, not even weeks. Yeah. So uh, looks like the last episode was July 30th. This is be, being recorded on August 29th. So almost a month to the day. So I apologize. I don't... I really have been burning to get an episode out there. And the goal of the show when I originally launched was to do it weekly. And now I'm not so sure if it's, one, even going to be done weekly um, or what the future of Talent Jockey is actually going to be. Uh, for and I don't, it's, it's hard to explain. I don't know. Uh, I read a lot of articles and blogs I keep up with the industry. There's some very good articles. I don't. I, there's not too many podcasts that I listen to that have to do with hiring and talent acquisition and recruiting. I'm sure there are some out there that's good. There's some really decent communities like um, I think TalentNet is one, and uh, T Chat or Pound T Chat, and on Twitter occurs. I think once a week or every couple of weeks, there's a topic online that you can participate in. But Talent Jockey uh, is unique. And maybe I'll kind of go into something. So this may be a little bit stream of conscious. I started a podcast, a gaming podcast. So I'm a gamer. I don't know if I've touched on this in, in a lot of the past episodes of Talent Jockey, but I'm a tabletop gamer. So people will usually react to, oh, yeah, will you play Xbox, PS4? No, tabletop, nerdy, nerdy pen, paper, and dice, uh, old Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And somebody may kind of look at you strange and say, well, isn't that for like, you know, 13-year-olds to play? And, you know, I think my kids play that. There's a lot of, a lot of us, um, how should I say it, some of us, some of the professionals um, in, in the industry, industry, I'll just put it out there. Older people play it too, and I'm one of those. And the reason I bring that up is because I started a podcast called GamingNBS.com, uh, or Gaming and BS, and that was a while ago, um, and we just went over 51 episodes. Uh, actually, 51 will drop this Tuesday, September 1st. And every week for 51 weeks, we've launched, you know, every Tuesday at noon. And... I do it with a co-host, which makes it a little bit easier, believe it or not. Solo podcasts can be really tough to do because I'm sitting here talking to myself, essentially, and I have to think of you 
the listener. So when I when that helps when I think of you, the listener, on um, when I start talking because you you know I'm a rambler sometimes just naturally, and so I have to. You'd think podcasting is a a natural outlet for somebody who might ramble on different topics or subjects. But to do that without huge amounts of pauses, ums, stutters, throwing a few so's, or some type of trigger word can be quite tricky. Why am I bringing this up? Um, so with Gaming NBS, we do an hour show. And an hour show for some people may be way too long. In the role-playing game podcast arena, an hour show is not uncommon. As a matter of fact, it's almost the de facto standard. Very rarely do you get a podcast that is 45 minutes or 30 minutes. And the reason is because you may get into listener email and you read a lot of emails or you get into a topic of discussion and you may have one or you may have two to three guests. And so the more guests you have, the more people may want to interject their thoughts. And that can draw the topic out a little bit more. And it's it's actually not bad because typically you can start a podcast. If you have a 30-minute drive, you listen to half of it on the way to work, like I do. And then on the way home from work, I listen to the other half. So it, it's not, um, you know, I want to get to work and I want to be done with that topic or episode. But when you have a a podcast with a co-host like we do on Gaming and BS, it can offset some of the responsibilities and duties. And it's actually like the it's a it's a hobby of mine. And you know, I I I play maybe a game every every week. And uh, it's fun. It's good times. I look forward to it all the time. And there's a lot of different aspects to role-playing games. Stuff that I will, will not get into on this show because it's not relevant to Talent Jockey. But it's, it's fun. It's good times. And I look forward to doing the podcast all the time. Now, with Talent Jockey, it's a little unique because it relates to me professionally. It's what I do every day, day in, day out, to some degree. And I say to some degree because for the last almost two years, actually almost two years to the day, because uh, I think I started in information security in September about two years ago. It might have been August, late August, late August, early September, but roughly two years ago. And I haven't done frontline recruiting for two years. And I've gone into my background a little bit in, in previous episodes. And now I'm going back to frontline recruiting. So people probably, so for those of you that are not in the know, I was uh, in corporate recruiting. I uh, dealt with our shared services um, areas, which included like IT, our PMO, our business continuous improvement area, facilities, security, uh, both physical and information. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I went into information security for two years. And now I'm back in recruiting. But when I went back to talent acquisition, is the department name that we go by, I was brought back to do like policy, procedures, process, um, deal with vendors, relocation, uh, metrics, reporting, a lot of the back office things um, with talent acquisition. 
So there's been some changes within the area. And I'm going back to frontline IT or recruiting for our IT area. And it's, it is really my forte. It's where I feel the most comfortable. You know, it's not like I couldn't recruit marketing because I've done marketing. Uh, it's not like I couldn't recruit, you know, claims or ops or who, who, whatever title you want to throw in there. But because of my IT background and my IT connections, I mean, it's just, it's more obvious than anything, than any of the other roles, I should say. And going back to Talent Jockey, part of why I did Talent Jockey was to keep fresh, keep in the industry while I was in information security and to, I wouldn't say show off my my background, but to share my opinion, my thoughts, my voice about talent acquisition. And so somebody may say, that's great, but what's the end goal or what are you trying to achieve other than just, you know, talking about it? And I've talked about having a personal brand and taking your skill set and background and experience to another level. And this, and Talent Jockey plays a role in that. You know, and I don't know if it's, if it's helped me. I don't know if it's hindered me. Um, and that's why I don't know the future of Talent Jockey. I don't, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's uh, valuable. Um, I don't know if it's something that I enjoy doing. So some of those questions need to be answered in order for me to, to continue doing Talent Jockey. I like the principle behind it. Um, the initial vision was, was good. I think of what I had in my mind. And part of it was that if I didn't get back in back into talent acquisition in the organization that I work for, there was a possibility that I would do more freelance or consulting and talent jockey would play a frontline role in, in that space. So it would be building my rapport, reputation and rapport within the talent acquisition industry you know, I guess it's just exposing my knowledge and expertise in that space publicly and leveraging that. But now that I'm not doing independent or going uh, into a consulting role, I think Talent Jackie can be useful. I think it can be valuable to me. It can maybe help further my career. I don't know. That's kind of what's lingering in my brain. Is it, is it really going to do anything for me? And part of it, I think, I, I mean, I think I've gotten a couple opportunities um, from it for sure. Uh, I can't say it's directly related to the show, but I think it's played a little bit of a role. And I think you have to have a you have to have a desire. You have to have a podcast that is fun to do, that you look forward to doing, that you do an outline, you bring up notes, you have a topic in mind, and you want to bring it to the masses and share that information, even if it's just an opinion. I mean, wrong or right, it, it, I'm not perfect. Um, and what I talk to when I when I talk about topics on the show, you know, it's. It's not, well, this is, this is right and this is the way it, it should be done and there's no other side to it at all because I'm the expert. That, that's not the case. 
but I find myself, I think the, the biggest problem I, I have with the show is that I find it to be, I don't want to be preachy. And I think that's what happens sometimes in some of the episodes. For example, today I want to talk a little bit about reputation. And when I, I was going to do it as a LinkedIn um, published post, so it's not an update, but an actual article on LinkedIn. And I was thinking of, of how I wanted to write it and how I wanted to convey it and who was my target audience and who was I speaking to in the article. And then I thought, gee, it just sounds like I'm preaching again. And it's, that's not what I want to do with Talent Jockey. I don't want to, I don't have a problem standing on a mountain and yelling out uh, to anybody who may be listening but I don't want to. I don't want to be a whiner. I don't want to get on there and just say, "Well, you know, this is you know, we it falls to the hiring manager again. Hire managers, get your you know proverbial stuff together um, because you guys are screwing stuff up." And not every hiring manager is, but I think sometimes with my personal frustration with how talent acquisition, um, how my personal or I should say professional interactions with the whole hiring process, sometimes it's, it can be quite frustrating. And I know recruiters know this. Hiring managers, I know you get frustrated. Candidates, I know you get frustrated. So, I mean, there is a level of frustration across the, the triad. And I don't, want, I, want, I don't want Talent Jockey to just be a platform where I just vent my frustration all the time. And I think that's a, a major concern that's a major concern of mine. So what does that mean? So I, I've kind of dumped on you and I apologize and it's kind of like, oh man, it's, are you, you know, are you going to talk about anything today, this week? What is it going to be about? Uh, is this, does this mean it's the end? Is this the last episode of Talent Jackie? I'm not a big person for pod fading. I, I, I don't like pod fading. And if you're not familiar with the term, it's basically when you start a show and you lose interest and you don't do anything. But the last show you had was just a legitimate show. You just haven't gotten off your duff. And clo- like there's some, I don't, so the difference between pod fading and actually closing out a podcast is you may have a predetermined set of episodes that you do. And once you do them, you're done. And the podcast is finished. And it can be up on iTunes for the rest of ever, um, as long as the internet's around and you have them host, the files hosted and everything's great. But it's just, that's it. We did 10 episodes. It's kind of like a show that got canceled. Boom, done. And you know about it, right? It wasn't just, hey, we, you know, you're not coming back next season. It's something that you actually plan. Pod fading is not something you actually plan. You just step away and fade away. That's where the pod fade comes into. So if I do decide to, you know, can talent jockey altogether, terminate, should we say, should we use the word terminate? There's an HR word for you. Termination. Um, I don't know. We use the wackiest words in, in human resources. Um, if, if we decide, if I decide to terminate Talent Jackie and, and can the show, I would do a final episode. And, and I would explain that and say it. The problem with that is I can always revitalize it down the road and, and kickstart it again, um, use the same feed. I have the domain. It would take nothing for me to sit down at the mic in just, you know, six months 
or two years or six weeks down the road, record another episode and bring it back. And maybe just even start from, from episode one. I don't know. Regardless, um, the scheduling may be not as consistent. And so there is a couple sides to an argument of podcasting on, on how you should kind of do your show. Um, some are, you just do it for yourself. If you have something to say, you, you, you say it, you get out there, record it, put it out there, you know, don't be concerned with whether you have an audience, if your audience is big or small, just get it out there, do it. If you do it inconsistently, as long as you feel comfortable doing it, then great. Now here's the caveat to that is if you're not consistent and you're not putting out good content that listeners want to listen to, you're not going to get a big subscriber base. So if your goal is to get a subscriber base, then what you have to do is really consider doing a very, very consistent show like we did with Gaming and BS every week, Tuesday. I mean, we have fans that are paying us like $5 an episode, which is not a huge amount of money, but I think it is. I mean, five bucks a show for an hour show, They here you go. And so every month they're paying like 20 bucks to listen to our show. And they set their watches to downloading it. Hey, it's Tuesday, uh, you know, noon. I'm going to go and get that show. You know, Talent Jackie isn't, it may be like that. I don't know. And and I think sometimes podcasters who are solo and want to make a run uh, in podcasting may have mm, a certain preconceived notion that, that it's going to be awesome and glamorous and they're going to kind of get recognized and they'll, you know, all this stuff. And it's not necessarily the case. And I think because what you're doing is you're recording your voice and you're putting it out there and yeah, you could see maybe some subscriber numbers. Um, but you know, without any feedback, you may be just talking to, you know, like, like I said, you're standing on the top of a hill or a mountain and you're just, Hey, I'm, talking out to anybody who will listen. And if I don't know if they are big deal, Um, but if it is a big deal, you may just say, I don't, I'm doing all this for nothing. Nothing is coming of it. I'm not getting a job. I'm not getting any money. Um, Nobody values what I have to say. And you know, I'm done with it. And they get frustrated and beat up or or they beat themselves up more or less. I, I don't see that being a part of me. Um, because I I'm, I value listeners and I value you kind of absorbing what I'm, I'm saying. But at the same time, you know, um, I'm going to say what I want to. And if, if somebody doesn't like it, they're, they're, they don't have to listen. And I say that, and I don't mean that to be crass, but uh, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts. I, I listen I mean, I've, I've flipped, you know, deleted this one, downloaded that one, tried this one all over the board, you know, everything from entrepreneurship to how things work to NPR documentary stuff type stories to role-playing games and tabletop gaming to like even more entertaining comedy podcasts. And the thing is, is that when you listen to a podcast, there's a couple things that I think people will consider when they start to listen to your show. One is, do they have an interest in what you have to say, whether it's a, mostly the topic, the subject matter? And then it's the quality of the show. So the sound quality, does the person sound like they're talking out of two tin cans? 
do they always say uh, a filler word every few sentences and it drives you crazy? So do they speak well and present themselves well on the show? And then it may just be some other intangible thing. And I say that because role-playing game podcasts are interesting. Like you may, I know people, I know the people that are putting on shows. I've met them. I like them as people. I listen to their show and I go, I just can't listen to this because it's either too much banter or they don't get to, you know, with that, they don't get to the subject matter or they're a good subject matter, but their audio just is a horrendous, um, or maybe it's just way too long, um, way too short, or the chemistry between the people doesn't jive. Maybe they take themselves too seriously in a topic I don't think is very serious. And and so it's okay for people to kind of give a podcast a shot, and then if they love it, great. If they don't, they, they turn the channel. It's like TV shows, right? If you don't like a particular TV show because it's like, well, it's too serious or too gloomy or it's too gross, uh, grotesque if it's like core based, or I don't like that actor for whatever reason because I think they're bad or the characters are not likable, that all comes into effect or even just even how they shoot the actual show. Um, some may use like handheld cameras to get you out like a really, you know, on the street kind of feel and people might like, I don't like this motion cam that they've got going on or whatever that is. And, um, you, you just decide not to watch it. Like, I don't like it. And that's cool. And that's okay because there's going to be other people that do. I mean, if it's a successful show and that's the same thing with podcasting and we're in our infancy, honestly. Um, so things can only get better. Um, if you're going to do a show anyways, I, I find myself getting into ramble mode so in the end, the, the what I'm trying to say is I don't know the future of Talent Jockey. I'm not wrapping it up. This is not the last one. But I don't know if I'm going to do it weekly. I may do it, you know, every two weeks. I may do it once a month. You know, I, th- I the more articles that I read, here's the deal with talent acquisition. So let's get into actual talent acquisition for a second in, in the industry. And if you're looking for this episode to be 30 minutes, it's not going to happen. Um, I'm already at like 22 minutes so I want to, it's going to go over and it may even be an hour. I don't know. Cause I still want to talk about a topic. So having said that, so let's talk about a little about talent acquisition in the industry and, and how it relates to this podcast specifically. I read a lot of blog articles, a lot of blog entries. Here's the, here's the nitty gritty piece of talent acquisition. Somewhere there's a job, somewhere there's a candidate and somewhere you have to get the butt in the seat is what we refer to it quite often in the industry. Seat, butt, butt meet seat. Let's make that happen. That's the process of talent acquisition in a nutshell. Acquiring the talent, putting them in a seat, doing the job, bringing them into the company or an organization. Now, how that's done can kind of vary between candidate and the seat and the hiring manager. How it's facilitated varies. The obstacles that are encountered are varied. But that's the principle of it. That's why I always, when I look at people, I'm like, this is not rocket science. And that's part of the problem with talent acquisition. Because it's not rocket science, a lot of people can do it, and they, or they think they can do it, or we put less experienced individuals in those kind of positions, and it creates a bad experience overall. So part of the, well, it's nice because you don't have to have a degree to be a recruiter, or you don't have to, I mean, here, we'll train you. It's pretty simple. 
that's the same, uh, that mentality can also get the industry into a lot of trouble. And I've touched on that a little bit in certain topics, like even like why recruit some recruiters suck, um, episode where I talk about anybody can do it. And because anybody can do it, you get a lot of people that aren't very good at it or they're not mentored or trained properly. And so they kind of go in the world and they, they, they think they're doing great. Um, because somebody tells them to make a buttload of phone calls and, match up some keywords and some resumes and backgrounds and they don't know what any of it means. I digress. Again, don't want to go on a tangent, but when I read a lot of these articles and I I hear a lot about speakers, a lot of the things that they put out there are not, you know, it isn't, ah, and the light shines through the clouds and it just, you know, emblazons my face with this, you know, morning sunlight that, you know, I have this great epiphany. Um, they're opinion pieces. Uh, they do not maybe opinion pieces. Some are very factual. Some are statistics, which are nice and interesting and good to know and good to share. Other ones are like my show, honestly. So I fall right into that space. I mean, I what I don't maybe, and I don't know if it's not, I don't like the insight in article uh, industry articles, but I mean... Uh, again, it's, it's not something like, whoa, that is so crazy. That is, that's nuts. What? You mean here's 10 tips to put on your resume and like, you know, not putting stupid filler words on your resume and actually proofing it and actually not having any, you know, spelling errors. I mean, those are really awesome tips. You know, there's some tweaks that you can make. Like I did my resume in a landscape mode and I hyperlinked a lot of stuff. So that way when people viewed it on a computer screen and they could actually click on a lot of my stuff. Now that's not, I mean, that's, oh, hey, that's an interesting or a cool idea, but it's not, whoa, that's nuts. I would have never, ever, ever thought of that. I mean, sure. Some people may hey, say that's kind of cool. I'm, I might consider doing it that way. And then there's going to be some that are like, dude, you're crazy. That's not how you do a resume. I'm, if I got it, I'd throw it away. And you know what? If they want to, that's fine. I don't care. Whatever. But some of those articles are just... So when I read them and I, I, I go, well, what's my topic of the week going to be? And I've read some articles and I'm like, oh, that kind of pick, that picks my brain. I've done that with Liz, one of Liz's article when it had to do with salary. And I'm like, well, her approach is pretty... Uh, out there. And if you haven't listened to it, oh, I don't know what episode it is, but it has to do with salary negotiations. And and, um, Liz is a, I mean, she writes for, I think it's Forbes. Um, She was a a town acquisition leader for quite some time. And I think she does consulting now. And obviously she has her own column for Forbes. Forbes or Fortune, I get them mixed up. They both start with F. And uh, she's good. She's got stuff, but she's very edgy. Um, when she talked about salary, it, just to give you an idea, she basically told recruiters, look, you know, if a recruiter asks you about salary, uh, tell them it's none of their business. Okay, great. And then I had a counter to that. So I can kind of do that a little bit. But in a nutshell, I mean, the articles out there are not always like so crazy. Not so anyways. I don't know where I was going with that. I really don't. I think it's, I just, I, I feed into that myself. So like some of the shows that you listen to that I talk about are just like the articles I read. You know, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's media hype. Uh, some maybe contributed uh, or attributed to media hype. Maybe it's just me being a, 
a hot air machine who likes to hear himself talk. And well, since I'm a recruiter, why not talk about what I do? And, and some of it may have relevance. Like, you know, back in the, now the thing is recruitment marketing is the big buzzword. You know, a few years it was talent community before that, uh, or after that it was like social media recruiting or social recruiting. So we go through these goofy phases within the talent acquisition industry and that's sometimes all they are. It's just phases. Um, and you'll go to a conference and UPS's head of talent acquisition will come in and talk about how they had no social media presence and they put it into place and now they got all these followers and from that they're tracking uh, through the funnel from here's where the candidate finds our job and they come through this you know method and this path and then they come into our system and then we route them and we hire them and it's real successful. And it may be, and that's probably the case with, with how they put their strategy together and how they're going to leverage some of those channels. But at the same time, it's maybe, okay, you know, is UPS's head of talent acquisition going to go to another conference in two years when they're talking about recruitment marketing and talk about social recruiting and their success from there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's not their full story. That's not all that they're probably doing um, that can be, you know, their success isn't attributed just to you know, social recruiting and that type of era of talent acquisition. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to talking around in circles. So anyways, one thing I wanted to talk about, let's get to the, let's get to the topic, shall we? Uh, and, and kind of talk about me. Why not? I mean, it's my show. Why can't I? Right. That's you. That's my dry humor, folks. If you didn't catch that, I was being a little sarcastic. Kind of. Uh, I'm going back to recruiting. And people have been asking me, like, how do you feel about that? And I said, uh, I say, well, I've kind of got mixed emotions. And some people have told me, yeah, I, I figure you would. And then there's some people that say, why? Uh, aren't you excited? Sounds great. I mean, you're, you know, my wife's like, you're awesome. You're the best recruiter in the world. <laughs> Whenever I get down, I'll just go to my wife and go, tell me, talk to me, you know, boost my ego. But that's my wife, right? I call my mom and have her do the same. Sometimes moms don't always do that, though. Well, you know, Sean Patrick. Uh, anyways. the So why, Sean? Why, 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 you know, hey, don't leave us hanging. Well, what's the deal? And uh, recruitment can can be tough. And it's not... I think what I want to see from town acquisition in the process, I, I want to be able to provide a well-oiled machine. And it and sometimes the clunkiness, um, if you've ever been on a farm and there's an old type of machine out there and it's been around for ages and it's just, it, it kind of always runs and it does the job but it may not be hiring or may not be working at its peak performance and getting to the next greatest model or the most, um, the most recent release of that particular, uh, machine may be just way expensive. So the farmer may have this machine and it, you know, maybe it's a, uh, oh geez, I'm not a farmer, but say it's just something that's in the barn that does something, you know, what it's bailing, you know, moving bales of hay or whatever. And it's like just this primitive 
belt on a couple spools and there's this wacky little engine that's there chugging away, moving its, you know, spindle and that moves the belt and you put hay on it and it puts it up into the barn. Now, some of you farmers out there, you know what I'm talking about and I probably have it wrong, but um, you kind of get the picture. But it's like it it leaks oil and it chugs and it sounds like crap and and the belt slips and so you put a thing on there and it might not move and then it does move and then you know it, it it's not a smooth operation you know on the bale of hay falls off so you got to grab it put it back on the belt and then it gets up there and then if you put too many on it's too heavy and the belt may stop now I'm just making all this stuff up but you, that's what I'm kind of my analogy big analogy guy. Sometimes it's ter- they're terrible analogies. But what I'm getting at is I want recruiting and the, the steps to butt and seat to be very fluid. Now, w- I understand that it's not going to be fluid to the point of there's going to be time involved. Um, you're not going to have the answers to every question. I get that. But I think the biggest struggle that I'm having is there are people that want to hire, they have a sense of urgency, but when the rubber hits the road, it it isn't there. Oh, it's urgent? Great. Yeah, I'm going to get that to you right away. And then you're talking days, if not weeks later. And that can, so I think there is a level of communication. It's kind of like, another tangent I'm going to go off on. I have a really, really good friend and I've known him for 25 years. And we don't talk every day. As a matter of fact, we don't talk once a month. It may months may go by, and then we may, you know, connect with each other and have a, a beer somewhere or whatever. Uh, but we pick up where we left off or what's going on. And, and sometimes our lives really don't change so dramatically that it's that's crazy, right? It's not where one of us may have a terminal illness and and the whole world's been tipped upside down, and now we're different people. It's very hey, you still working where I? Yep, you still doing what you're doing? Yep. What's new? Or did you find a new hobby? No. How are your, you know, kids? Great. You know, some of those things. Um, and you big small talk and then you kick off where you're going. But a f- this friend of mine who I'm sure doesn't listen to the show, one of the things, and he's a gamer too. And I, I bring that up because we would, we would plan gaming sessions, right? So you kind of kind of plan because when you, when we game, uh, it's not 15 minutes and then we're done. It's it's a four-hour type of commitment minimum. Sometimes it's even 12 hours. Uh, it just depends on people's time. And one of the things that we would do is try to plan, and we'd, we'd want him to play with us because he's fun and uh, a good guy. And he, he would flake out on us all the time. You know, maybe he would have to leave early or, you know, he wouldn't be able to arrive at all. And I say that, and it, that happens, but I say that with the impression that, He's committed. He's cleared his calendar initially, and then things come up. Things come up. I get that again. But what happens is it comes up all the time, and there is, you know, may not even be what may be considered an emergency. It's just, hey, I can't make it. I can't do it, or whatever the case is. And so over time, what happens is you just kind of say, he's never going to show up. You extend the invite, but what happens is your mindset changes and, and your expectations change. So instead of saying, oh yeah, I'm really excited he's going to be here and then being let down, then you lower your expectations and go, meh, if he shows up, great. And if he doesn't, great. Uh, And then, because I think you go through a phase where like you're disappointed, that sucks, uh, totally understand to 
you know, wow, it's becoming a habit. Then you get kind of ticked off and then it's, then you have to come to grips that they just don't prioritize it the same way you do, in which case you just have to set the bar lower. And then eventually you just stop inviting them uh, because they're just never going to show up. So that way you can plan accordingly because then you, you don't have to take their schedule into consideration when you schedule with three other people. So, I mean, you know, it's the shell game, but you're putting that shell to the side because that shell doesn't matter anymore when you're trying to align things. So I say that with, and how it relates to recruiting. So when you have a hiring manager that is, they say they're urgent, but they never get back to you in a timely fashion. They don't have the information that you need. They haven't informed their interview team that they're, you know, they're volunteering them to interview your candidate and then telling them what you're looking for via their interview. Um, and then things start to kind of like run like that crappy machine. And uh, then what happens in turn is that the, the end production is messed up and your quality gets messed up. And it, it the, it's just it, the whole thing crumbles uh, to some extent. And, you know, you can still have the recruiter that drag or the uh, the hiring manager that drags ass and they get to you and you could still get the candidate that's been patient enough to be on the quote unquote back burner or however you want to phrase it. And they've been in waiting and still make them an offer and have them come on board. But I just feel as though it's not, it's not good. I, to me, that honestly, within my career, I think it's unacceptable. And again, I don't want to get into preaching, but if it's something that really gets me fired up, it's things that are really easy to fix and really easy to address. The problem is, is that they don't want to. Maybe it's not even that they don't want to. They just don't. Uh, and that could be recruiters too. We're not infallible, um, but it's just the seat that I sit in. So I'm kind of like, Hey, here's me. I'm talking about me and my experiences and it's not every hiring manager either. So when people say, are you excited to go back to it recruiting? I say, eh, it depends on who I'm talking to, who I'm dealing with. Do I love talking to candidates? Yes. Do I like making the deals and making it all come together? Yes. Do I love providing feedback, uh, positive, negative well, not negative sometimes, but I think, you know, I want a level of transparency and honesty. I want to be, I don't know if innovative is the word, but I would say, yeah, I want to look at doing things not necessarily different. Remember, different in, in the whole process maybe and putting kind of bits and pieces that may be a little unconventional. Um, for example, one of the things I'm thinking of is if I go on Twitter and everybody wants to know what the deal is and what's going on, you tune into me on Twitter and I will put everything, I will microblog everything I'm doing. Hey, if you applied to the director of information security position, here's the deal. I'm, I'm meeting with the hiring manager tomorrow at noon. I should have something after that. And then when I get back to my desk, boom, put out an update. Hey, talk to the hiring manager. We're revamping it. We've got, we're moving ahead with three candidates. I'm going to talk to you. Uh, if I haven't talked to you, that's kind of the deal expect a call, whatever. Being very transparent, putting it out there. If I go to LinkedIn and um, you know, I post the job, I, I bring the manager into my posting, 
right? Because you can do that like Facebook. You can tag people in your post and bring them into that. I want to start doing that. Uh, I don't want managers to be anonymous. I don't think they should be anonymous. Uh, they get to hide because they drag ass and that's not going to happen. I don't, you know, that's kind of my take. And, you know, frankly, I'm going to rub people the wrong way. Um, yeah. And I, I had this conversation with my, my supervisor. Um, and you know, maybe I'm talking too much right now and I, maybe I'll get in trouble, but frankly, I don't, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is confidential stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm going back to IT recruiting for IT and, one of the things I said is I want to be able to um, keep it at a tighter a tighter ship. And how am I going to do that? I don't know. I'm still kind of going through it in my brain because it's not a matter of. Um, so here's one of the things that's really, really, I'm going to really, really pound home to everybody. I don't understand what ASAP means. I don't understand what urgency means. I don't understand when I'll circle back with you means. I don't understand 24 hours. I don't understand end of day. I don't understand close of business. I don't understand any of that stuff unless I can look at my watch and determine what it is. So if I can't read it off a watch for people that don't have them anymore, it's when you look at your cell phone and you look at the time and the date. So, hey, Urgent. Great. When? Tomorrow. When? Uh, probably before noon. When? 10 o'clock? 10's before noon? 8's before noon? 4 in the morning is before noon tomorrow. I mean, people are going to get really ticked off. Um, John's being obnoxious. You know, and frankly, hey, walk into the boss's office, my boss, and say Sean's being obnoxious. And if she says, what's he doing? And they say, he's making me give times and dates. Do you know how kooky that would sound? That's going to happen. Like, I think he's being unreasonable. Whoa. whoa. And, and let, me, let me put this out there. I am not wanting to put the screws to the hiring manager to the point of making them uncomfortable. I am not wanting, you know, if it is going to take you time to do something, and you are actually unable to get to reviewing a candidate's background and resume. I totally get it. I get that. I don't, I don't want you to forego other priorities because I'm being an ass. That is not my goal. However, I want to be fair and I want to be tight and I want to provide a good experience for the manager and the candidate. The candidates deserve it. And frankly, if you want to hire good talent, you have to do that. If you want a mediocre business, hey, man, that's fine. You let me know when you're ready and I'll get to it and maybe we'll hire somebody and maybe they'll be good and maybe they won't be. And that's okay. We'll just we'll just have a mediocre company because that's the talent we're going to hire. So when you talk to the CEO and our, you know, our, our bonuses are down or we're not performing up to snuff, um, you can look at your hiring. Or look at yourself. Maybe you're one of those hires. Huh. Maybe consider that for a little bit, for a second. Look, I'm not perfect. I don't want to be a dickhead. Um, but I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's too much to ask. And I don't think that's too much to ask for any recruiter. I don't think that's too much for a hiring manager. Uh, to ask. They, they absolutely can bring it back on me. Hey, when are we going to post that job, Sean? I'm going to post it, you know, I'm going to post it in, uh, by end of day tomorrow. No, Sean's going to give him a time and date. And guess what? Sean's going to have to, you know, keep to his word because if it works both ways. 
you know, if I'm going to promise a, a hiring manager, hey, I'm going to get this out, you know, tomorrow at 10 a.m., 10 a.m., that sucker better be out there. Now, I know that stuff is going to fumble. I know it's going to happen. Hey, I said 10 a.m., something came up. I couldn't do it. But if that happens, you got to communicate it. And then follow it up with a with a second time or, you know, follow-up time. Hey, I couldn't get it to, it couldn't get it out there at 10 a.m. It will be out there by noon. But as a recruiter, you got to, you got to do that. You can't be, you know, okay, at noon, you say, oh, I couldn't get it, you know, out there by noon, so I'm going to get it out there by two. Because then you run into my buddy who always says, yeah, I'm going to be there and never show up. I'm going to be there at three. I'm going to be there at four. I'm going to be up there at five. You know, the next game session, hey, uh, yeah, I'm definitely there. I'm count me in, but I won't be able to show up till you know, two o'clock and then shows up at five, but doesn't call, you know I mean? It's just, then it starts to get really wacky and then it falls apart. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to bump meetings and stuff. It's just going to have to happen because I'm going to prioritize my word over a lot of other things. If I miss a first 10 minutes of a meeting, uh, that may not even pertain to what I, you know, if I'm like just a stakeholder and need to be in the loop and I need to be in that meeting, great. Do I need to make a decision in the meeting? No. Is there going to be something that's going to be put on me in order to make a decision? No. If there is, then great. I definitely will have to be there. In which case, you know, then I'll look at my calendar and prioritize and even ask the person who sent the meeting invite, hey, are you looking for me to make a decision out of this meeting? Yes, no. No. This is purely informational. Great. Then you can say, I, you know, I got this to do. I'm going to prioritize what I told the hiring manager. I'm going to post their job. And that's not going to be a problem. So then what happens if, if they say, yeah, I'm going to get back, you know, they commit and they don't get to you. Now that's the problem I'm struggling with. You know, what is the escalation process? What is the ultimatum? Um, how, you know, what is the fairness behind it? How many chances are you going to give them? That's what's really kicking my ass. And uh, frankly, I, I don't know what that answer is. I, I mean, I've been fair in the past. I still think way too lenient. Uh, I've had some culprits recruiting managers that uh, very hard to fill jobs. We're not going to get a ton of candidates. When we do, we should move, um, get feedback. If we need to revamp the job or the posting, going to the manager, it's dead air. They don't even exist. Dead air, dead air. You know, don't hear from them for a week. A week is totally unacceptable, I think. I think a week would be at least, would be the maximum first level. So I say maximum first level. So, Whatever that is, like, hey, we're moving along or I've sent over candidates and you haven't gotten back to me in a week, that should be the maximum amount of time that lapses before a recruiter needs to go back to the original candidates and let them know and give them an update. It's my opinion. Uh, I think it'd, it'd be a week or or faster or quicker or sooner. Uh, I had managers that, that wouldn't do that. They'd go... Week would go by. I'd send them an email. Hey, still alive? Going on? What's up? I need these. I need feedback on these people. You know, what's our next steps? Uh, a few days more. I say, hey, if I don't hear by, you know, it's maybe this is a Monday. I'd say, hey, if I don't hear from you by the end of Friday, uh, I will disposition these people, or I will whatever the step is. You know, if I don't hear from you, blah. The trick thing is, they may hear from. I may hear from them, but it's still not an answer. So again, got to be tighter. Oh, sorry, Sean. I'll get back to you on Tuesday. No, that that's not the point of this. The point is like, you know, I'm going to get back to you. You know, you getting back to me by Friday buys you more time. 
and you know maybe Tuesday comes along and they actually have something solid. This individual did not. So oh, they bought themselves two more days. Two more days come by. Actually, it's two more business days, but four actual calendar days goes by, and nothing. So then I follow up with them, you know, that Tuesday and said, hey, I thought you were going to get back to me. Nothing right away. Then Thursday, they might get back to me. And it's still not the info I need. Or maybe it is. So now it's like two weeks have gone by. I mean, that is unacceptable. So then what happens is usually I, I don't get anything, right? I don't get anything. So then I'll, I'll, I'll CC their manager, right? So I'm dealing with the manager. I'll CC their senior manager, Maybe it's a director. And I'll CC them uh, or I'll email them and say, hey, I haven't heard from Mark or, or Sally. Uh, and I just wanted to make sure everything's fine. And, and so I, I, I take this, the approach of there may sincerely be something going on. Maybe that person is out. Maybe they did have a family emergency. I don't know. And that's so I don't want to jump to conclusions to, to say, oh, the, the hiring manager is just being difficult or unresponsive because there may be a legitimate reason behind it. They had an emergency family leave. Their manager didn't think of going back to you. I wouldn't expect the manager to come back to me and say, hey, I checked my email. Sorry, I, you know, my, there was something wrong with my parents or something wrong with my, my children. That, that's not cool. So I do get that things come up. So you, you genuinely send an email and say, hey, I just want to make sure everything's okay because I've got people kind of lingering in the back. Then based on that, you kind of then I would have a man that manager uh, in this case wouldn't come back to me, so then I would say so it's at least two weeks by now, almost three, at this point, and I would say look if I don't hear from you or you by the end of today, I'm closing your rec. And when you do that, you will get a reaction. Um, sometimes with th- th- these individuals I'm talking about, I didn't. So I just close the rec. And I just say, hey, letting you know, I'm closing your position. We can always open it up later. And then I'm going to go back to the candidates and say, I'm sorry. Um, I wasn't getting a lot of response from the hiring manager. I don't know kind of the situation. I apologize for the inconvenience. I encourage you to reapply to any of the open positions. If there is something that you see out there, by all means, email me. I would be more than happy to uh, consider you for something else. But for all intents and purposes, uh, this position is closed. It, for, I, it cannot be needed at this point because the hiring manager is not getting back to me. So it must not be important. And then we'll close it. And then it may stay closed. Actually with these individuals, it stayed closed for months. Um, you know, Hey, must not need it. And then they readdressed it and said, well, we may need to revamp or readdress what the actual, actual position calls for. And that's perfect. That's fine. We can start from square one, but it doesn't take six months to tell me that. Just tell me when it, we kind of encounter that. So I can kind of move things along and, you know, follow up with candidates and close it all out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the original question, are you excited to go back? I, I, I do love being a people person. I do love talking to people. Uh, I do want to make the experience unique to the point of um, running it as a tighter ship. I do want candidates to have a good experience. It's really at the forefront of my mind. It's funny because I work for a corporation that pays me my salary. You know, they want me to to fill positions. They want me to cater to customers. And the customer is internal. Um, but at the same time, I, I am a big, huge candidate advocate. Um, if you haven't gathered from the show, 
or even spoken to me. I mean, I get people that are like, hey, can you help me with your my resume? Or can you give me advice? And I say, yeah, or whatever that's like. Because um, there is, again, the, the, the mentality is that the hiring manager and the company or the organization is holding the cards, and that's not the case anymore. It really isn't. And candidates that may be hearing this may say, I think you're wrong, Sean, because I'm not leveraging anything. I'm not getting a lot of hits. Um, I don't see what you're talking about. I'm not getting, you know, tons of offers. And I say, well, it may depend on your background in industry. And so IT is in higher demand than, say, finance and accounting professionals. Um, Actuarials may be in higher demand than IT. And so there's this kind of pecking order within the industry with supply and demand. So, but I assure you, the market is good. It's hot. It's a candidate market. Um, and, and getting organizations and hiring managers to understand that can be kind of a, of a battle in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to try to do. I mean, I want to, you know, give candidates updates. I want to probably tweet those updates. I want to get managers more accountable. I want to put them on the front line. I've had, I looked at an SVP contact of mine who posted their job on LinkedIn. They did. I have, I am hiring. Here's the roles. If you have any questions, email me directly. This is an SVP. Now somebody's going to go, he's going to get inundated with emails that he's not going to want to field and he's just going to route them over to the recruiter. He's not going to want to deal with those. And I'm like, I don't know about that. First of all, IT, you know, I might get 20 applicants a position. That's not 150. That's not 300. It's 20. Uh, And of those 20, how many people are going to email them on LinkedIn? Probably very few. But I'll tell you this, and I'll put this out there. If Sean Kelly is a hiring manager and um, this other individual, this SVP, is a hiring manager, and that SVP goes out and posts that update to LinkedIn and says, hey, I am hiring. My company is hiring. Here are all the positions in my organization that we are hiring for. If you have any questions, please view them and email me directly. And then Sean is sitting in his office wondering what's going on with his requisition and wondering where the recruiter is going to cough up all these candidates and provides kind of your stereotypical, uh, stereotypical, your templated job description posting, and I'm slow because uh, I'm busy and I don't get back to the recruiter. And the candidate has applied to my organization, to my role, and I haven't provided feedback because of whatever reason. And that there's another person, and then the candidate is out there, and he sees both of us, again, post. Who would that person be more apt to uh, entertaining. Uh, who, 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 who would they pursue? And, you know, obviously the, the answer is the SVP. They're more approachable. They're going to answer. They've got an email. Now that's initially, we don't know if this individual is going to follow up with that person, you know, maybe just talk, but I'll tell you what initial, initial reaction and impression is, Hey, that SVP is approachable. Um, more so than even the recruiter. Like the recruiter can't get back to me because there's a middle person and the recruiter's that middle person. And you know what? The hiring manager can blow it off on the recruiter. Oh, the recruiter's bad. You know, make the recruiter look like crap. They're the ones not getting back to the candidate. I'm insulated, right? I get to hide in my office. That's bullshit. Anyways, 
<laughs> I think Apple may flag this as uh, explicit, and I just used one swear word. Anyways, I think you know where I'm going, and I I don't you know hang in there. I, I apologize for the inconsistency. Um, some of you are you know maybe wondering what's going on, and I really truly wanted to to get back to you and give you an update. But I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around how I want to handle the show and talent jockey. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So anyways, let's move on and, and close out the show, shall we? Um, if you have any questions, um, you know, feel free to email me at Sean at talentjockey.com. Um, you could follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, uh, there's all the links on our webpage, our website at talentjockey.com. If you have a comment about this show or feedback, I'm certainly open to it, good or bad. Um, you know, I say, hey, man, this totally sucks. I want more. Or, hey, this totally sucks. You suck. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> Just go to talentjockey.com forward slash 020 is what this episode will be on our website. Uh, otherwise, you know, Keep it, keep it chugging along. One thing I wanted to mention uh, before I let you go, we have a an event here in Wisconsin. So if you're in the Wisconsin area, I am an advisory board member to Wisconsin Recruiters, and there's two professional speakers coming to the Align Energy Center. And if you're in talent acquisition, you got to go to this thing. It's very, very, very affordable. And the whole key, for, Jason Buss runs this. Uh, he runs Minnesota Recruiters uh, as well as a couple others. And he provides really good industry-leading speakers at these conferences for a very affordable cost. This is a half-day event, so it's not going to take up a full eight hours. You do not have to travel if you're in Wisconsin. And frankly, if you're in Minnesota or Iowa or Illinois, it's not that far. Um, but it, it'll be well worth it. So by all means, I'll have a link in the show notes. Check it out. And even if you're not in town acquisition, you know, you, you're certainly welcome to come and get some insight into it. You know, if you're an HR professional, but don't deal with talent acquisition every day, maybe you're an HR generalist, but sometimes you do recruiting as part of your role for a smaller org, then come to this. Uh, it'll be really awesome. I don't have uh, the, the, the speaker info in front of me, but I'll put it I'll, again, a link. Um, and I think we've got like 55 people registered. We've got plenty of room for many, many more. Um, we would love to see you there. I will we'll be working like the the table at the front you'll be able to meet me and just say hello but anyways uh i will let you go thanks for tuning into talent jockey and that's my cue to cut it off have a good one everybody bye-bye